one of the most difficult feelings that I have had to struggle with in my life and I can look back even into my childhood and it was the feeling that comes and really it's also most even more importantly are the thoughts that come from those feelings of disappointing someone those situations when no matter what we do we're not able to give people the news that they want to hear we're not able to to fulfill the expectations they have for us and i realize it's important to remember that you know whatever expectations people have of us is their business and whatever we're able to do or willing to do is ours and at the same time though it's you know it can it, it's it's almost as if when i try to reconcile this in other words i know that if someone is disappointed in me that it really has a lot to do with you know what they expect from me or what they had hoped from me and that somehow by me reminding myself of that and uh, i've had that you know that said to me before that if I could just remember that it's, you know, that's their business and, you know, what I do and what I'm able to do. And, you know, when I do my best, that's my business. But that doesn't seem to really necessarily make it all go away, so to speak. I mean, I can't, uh, intellectually, I can appreciate that as a fact that, that, you know, that ultimately what people want from me or expect from me is their business and I can't control that. But at the same time, and this is where I think the struggle really lies, in that it's my own baggage or my own issues with what happens with me internally when I disappoint someone or when I'm not making someone happy. And I can, I can remind myself, you know, constantly that, you know, it's not up to me to make anyone else happy. And I know that, and I can appreciate that from a uh, rational standpoint but sometimes as, as everyone generally I believe everyone knows that you know emotions are not always rational and clearly thoughts about those emotions and feelings are not always rational as well so while I can appreciate the rational approach to this and I have, I have, I have met some people before that have really strong and well established boundaries in terms of their relationships with other people. And I really admire that because I, I've sometimes found myself wishing that I could be that strong, that I could actually not be overly sensitive to, the, to you know, other people's unhappiness and their disappointment. While at the same time, even though I have struggled with that a lot in my life and still do from time to time, I do see that I am beginning to integrate that wisdom into my life, you know, and more that it has affected my ability to be able to not carry the, the you know, the, the feelings of guilt or feeling bad for disappointing someone or letting them down or somehow not, you know, being able to make them happy. And to me, there's really two sides to the coin on this one. And there's really two ways of, of approaching this. And I found that it's really two different things. In other words, it's, you know, it's, it's, it is about, you know, absorbing the, the wisdom of these truths that I just mentioned. That, you know, we do want to have, as much as we can, 
well-established boundaries that we're, you know, that we keep up on a regular basis, that we're willing to put the time and the energy and the effort and the presence of being willing to, you know, respectfully and lovingly have those boundaries and to remember that, you know, we're not responsible for other people's happiness, that we're not, it's not up to us to make it all better for them all of the time or that we can't fix everything for them. But then again, if I just really focus only on those things, then I'm missing a real crucial element in terms of integrating this into who, you know, who I am and how I move in the world and how I live my life. And that other element, which is not surprising that I'm bringing this up, is the the aspect of being more aware and being more mindful, it really allows me to, if I utilize and sustain a mindfulness practice, can really actually feed and strengthen the work that I do to create and maintain healthy boundaries with other people. And so for me, really joining these two things together is what has really allowed me to be able to deal with these struggles and deal with these doubts that I have when I find myself sometimes, no, you know, despite my, my best efforts that I'm going to disappoint someone, I'm not going to be able to give them what they need or that I, I wasn't able to do that. And sometimes just the, and that's, I guess where I would start in terms of mindfulness and awareness is really taking a look at the anticipation when I know, in many times and in many in many cases, I know in advance, and and, it, and it's and it's not that it's anything special. I think we all have that ability to know that sinking feeling, that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you know that someone is expecting something, someone is not happy and is looking to you to make it better for them or to uh, to make them happy in some way, to give them what they need. And we know in advance sometimes that we can't do that. What it is they're asking from us or what they expect from us, whether they express it explicitly or not, or whether it's just implied, in many cases that's the case also, that this is what we're faced with. And sometimes I know that for me that can be more painful and more difficult than the feelings that I have after I have disappointed someone or I've let someone down after I'm not able to fulfill their wishes or if I see them really unhappy in some way and I can tell and feel that intuitively that they're somehow looking to me to make it all better and that they, you know, they're needing something from me to work some kind of magic to make them happy. And as soon as, and I know for me, as soon as I become aware of that, Usually where I find myself, sometimes it happens more quickly than others, but where I generally always find myself, and I think it's very important to acknowledge this, is that I find myself usually struggling and and really overthinking and overanalyzing a situation, trying to figure out how I can give them what they want. And that's a place that, while I can't prevent myself from being there, what I can do is just be aware that I'm starting to go down that path. And I know that anytime I am doing that, that I'm usually setting myself up 
to uh, for more struggle. If I am really trying really so hard to think about how I can give someone what they want and not disappoint them, and if I do that mindlessly, what's going to end up happening is I'm going to you know suddenly start just you know, taking actions of some sort. And in many cases, my heart is in the right place and it's coming from a good place. I really do want to try to, uh, to make someone feel better or try to fix a situation. But what ends up happening is, is that I, I, many, in many cases, I can't do that. And when I know in advance that I can't really do anything for them or I don't have anything for them, I have to, you know, I, I sometimes sometimes forget that it's what's important for me really to remember is that I love them and care about them. Or if it's someone I'm being of service to, maybe I'm not necessarily uh, friends with them or in any sort of relationship with them, but it's just I have a responsibility to take the best care of them that I can. If I will just remember that me trying to just go through multiple gyrations of trying to give them what they want usually sets me up for more struggles and what ends up happening is is that in the process of trying to make it better I'm actually getting over invested in their happiness it's all the stuff that I do on the front end or in advance of that fork in the road where I'm either able to do what they want or what they expect or that I'm able to deliver something that makes them happier or somehow fixes their situation. It's important for me to remember that I'm setting myself up, I'm making a lot of the decisions for how or how much and how intensely I'm going to struggle after the fact based on all the gyrations that I go through up front. So for me, what I have really been able to do is to really slow this whole situation down and get to a place where I can see what's happening before, you know, before I find myself lost in it. And it's really as simple as when I am interacting with people and I know that there is some sort of expectation or a need for me to do something or in some cases nothing is being no needs are being expressed at all they're just simply not happy and there you know something is going on in their life and somehow i feel compelled to do something about it and all i really need to do is just it really gets down to a you know a very simple point in that i just need to be aware that i am reacting to that in some way and that's really the key here they may be expressing a need, an explicit need for something, or they may expect something, or they may not. But either way, it's so important for me to be aware of the fact that I'm perceiving that. And I may be wrong about what I'm perceiving, and it doesn't even really matter, it, you know, based on looking at it in this way. It doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. That's not really the issue here. The issue is that I'm getting caught in it somehow. Somehow I'm choosing to participate in this and forgetting that I have a choice. And the best way for me to take advantage of all of this wisdom that I've learned and and these various truths about personal boundaries and about upholding those and maintaining them and about 
letting, you know, people's expectations and hopes and needs and happiness be their business, I can actually utilize that wisdom more effectively if I am first grounded in my own awareness and really having an idea of what it is that I'm doing or what I'm up to. How am I reacting to this? I can see that this person, and there again, they've either explicitly expressed something or I'm just picking up on, you know, it could be as simple as I'm picking up on verbal cues or visual cues, some sort of behavioral trait that's being expressed or some sort, yeah, some sort of clue that, and in many cases, I think it's also important for me to, to, uh, to talk about the fact that I can be wrong. Like all people, I am fallible. I sometimes think that people are expressing a need for something and it's more it's more implicit than explicit, but I may very well be wrong. They may not be really doing that at all and it just may be my own baggage. It may be me from seeing it from my own perspective. But what's neat about this is is that you know this can become a very complex set of behaviors on my part very quickly i can start thinking and reacting you know their behavior and my key, you know picking up on what cues i think i'm seeing may trigger things in me that have happened in the past and before i can even remotely become aware of it i am completely wrapped up and somehow trying to make this situation better for them or give them what they need or expect so if I can just get to a place where I have enough headspace to just be aware that I'm doing it. And what's beautiful about this is I don't need to figure out how to completely extricate myself from it right at that moment. I can, by being aware of the fact that I'm, that I'm allowing myself to be triggered by either what they're sharing with me or you know, what is being implied... And it could be what I'm thinking is implied and it's not being implied. That the idea here is that I can give myself the ability to let go of the need to make it better or to be so invested in trying so hard to not disappoint them. Clearly, I don't want to disappoint anyone. Clearly, I want to fulfill, you know, I want to deliver whatever it is that I promise. But this is more along the lines of when people have expectations for us. I've been, you know, in, in cases where I've not agreed to deliver anything. And just simply having the awareness of it puts me in a much better position to be aware of my own behavior. If I am being triggered in some way and I have to take responsibility for that, that's on me to do that. I'm much more likely to be able to do that work you know, on my feet in the middle of life while it's happening if I am sustaining the practice of awareness or mindfulness. If I'm paying attention to what's going on inside my own head and how I'm reacting mentally and physically to what's in front of me. I may not be in a position at that time because I have other responsibilities I'm needing to take care of and I may be in a situation where I, you know, cannot take the time to think critically about whether I really need to be this invested in trying so hard to not disappoint someone or to let someone down. And I'm to the point that I'm not advocating for myself at all or very little. But just by being aware of it, 
it really allows me to take a step back and if I know that I don't need to be so carried away with this it makes it much less likely that I'm going to just start making decisions based on just internal reactions to the behavior that's in front of me that's being exhibited by someone else that I can actually while I don't want to shut them out I don't want to ignore anyone but at the same time I need to also not ignore my own needs and I also want to you know not uh, not take seriously the need to uh, to live my own truth at the same time and it's you know sometimes can be overwhelming I've had people say to me before you know how can I do how can I do these things how can I continue to stay focused on my true north How can I do what's best for me? How can I maintain healthy boundaries when I have all these people in my life that are, you know, are draining my energy and resources or they're a drag on me in some way or they need this or they need that or they expect this. And I know that sometimes that can be used as a reason for isolating oneself and just trying to withdraw from these various human relationships. But I don't think that's the answer either, and I've done that as well. And I can I can say for sure, with a hundred percent certainty, at least for myself, that withdrawing from life, withdrawing from other people, withdrawing from a social existence, does not really solve the problem. Because what ends up happening is, then I am completely wrapped up in my own thoughts, and I'm not really out there in the middle of life, out in the world, mixing it up with people and really continuing to build those interpersonal skills. I really can't be at my best, and even though I am definitely an introvert, without a doubt, I'm what they refer to as an extroverted introvert, but I still find myself, you know, a lot of the time having a need to be able to just kind of be with myself and take care of my own mental and spiritual needs. But at the same time, though, that's not always the most important thing. The fact is, I need to be around people. I know that it's healing. I know that it's healthy. And trying to escape that, and I've heard people say before, trying to, you know, minimize the number of relationships, you know, acquaintances, friendships, business uh, relationships, you know, minimizing that and having a a much smaller number of those. I don't know if that's the answer or not. I, I really don't know about that. But what I do know is that for me, What I really want to be able to do is to be able to be fully in life. I've lived for many years trying to withdraw from life, and I know that it did not do anything but make me more miserable. I had less ability to really interact with people in a healthy way because I wasn't doing it on a regular basis. I really do believe this is a diminishing skill. I can't prove it, but I know for me it is. The less that I'm doing it, the... uh, it gets to a place where it's it's much harder for me to interact with people in a healthy way. I can I can play the part, I can look the part, and I've had many people tell me that they can't believe that I'm really an introvert because I know how to play that well. But at the same time, though, on the outside, I may look like I am actually doing this well, but on the inside, I'm a wreck. I'm absolutely miserable. And I'm not really able to be comfortable being around other people in social situations. And the only reason I'm not is because I, you know, when I choose to not practice that. And to me, that is really a spiritual practice. That's really a, a deep personal practice is 
putting myself in situations where, you know, I'm not looking to put myself in situations where I'm going to fail, but I do want to be open to the fact that sometimes interacting with people is puzzling. Sometimes it's completely confounding. Sometimes I walk away from interactions with people being completely stunned and at a complete loss for what it is I was supposed to do. But the thing is, it doesn't, you know, there again, I can overanalyze this after the fact and beat myself up emotionally and do nothing but really decrease my level of confidence and my ability to just improvise and just be in the moment. As my teacher said recently, to just let myself be jazz, to just let things happen. I don't have to have sheet music. I don't have to know what the tune is going to be before I interact with people. I just have to trust that I can respond naturally and organically to whatever happens. And for me, that's really the choice that I always want to make. I want to choose to be in life where it's happening right in the middle of the storm and knowing that sometimes it is not going to be comfortable. And so the question remains, you know, what, you know, where does mindfulness practice fit in to a life where there's a conscious choice made to really open oneself up to other people and part of that I believe is that we have to be willing to pay attention and that's really what mindfulness you know practice is about is that you know there is there is actually a point I've had people ask me that before there is a point to sitting still and I'm not saying you have to sit with your legs crossed on a cushion it can be just whatever way is most comfortable it can also be walking there is such thing as mindful walking practice Uh, there also are all other kinds of activities you know everyone is a little different and it's really all about achieving what uh, psychologists refer to or behavioral psychologists as achieving a flow state it's a it's a it's it's being in a in a place where things we're just allowing ourselves to just you know be at one with whatever we're doing and that we're not overthinking it we're actually being it and where mindfulness practice really helps is that it allows me to pay attention not to criticize myself not to uh you know, not to play the tape back afterwards and beat myself up about how I missed this or I didn't do that. Because there's always going to be those times where I'm not going to get it right 100% of the time. And I don't, and at least for me, I don't think it's, it's important to even worry about whether I get it right 100% of the time. Where, where I really want to pay attention is in those moments where I'm with people, I'm allowing myself to be vulnerable. And that means that sometimes I'm going to disappoint people. Sometimes I'm not going to be capable or have the resources to bring forth what it is they need me to do or expect me to do or hope that I do, whether it's expressed or not. And the more that I can be kind and gentle with myself and take care of my own personal needs while at the same time doing it not just for the selfish reasons, but so that I can actually more effectively be with other people and continue to be vulnerable with them, that's where mindfulness practice really fits in for me. So much of mindfulness practice for me revolves, and many people I've talked to and have taught and have worked with, is that it's so necessary when we're dealing with other people because... And I realize it can also be challenging just to deal with our own thoughts about things in general. 
that can really trip us up and cause us a lot of unnecessary suffering. All of the remembering that we do about things that happened in the past, our worries and fears about what may happen in the future, but it all gets the the complexity multiplies exponentially when we start putting other people in the mix. And so when you really look at mindfulness practice, it's really an what I refer to as an ancient technology that allows us to just pay attention to what our minds are doing. Not to control it, not to uh, write a script for the outcome that we think is best, but to actually have a mind that is more pliable, to have a mind that is more flexible, a mind that is more open, and a mind that can really just flow with whatever happens, that it, you know, that it can be jazz, it can, the mind can improvise much more effectively when it's not wrapped up in internal reactions about everything that it's thinking about how we're feeling. It actually gives us a little bit of room to kind of play and a room to just kind of be. It gives us more mental bandwidth to just genuinely be who we are. But it's a matter of just practicing that. And once we develop and practice that awareness, we can then take it to the next level and begin to be mindful and practice mindfulness where what the mindfulness practice really means is that we're, you know, we're really paying attention to those thoughts. We're not analyzing them. We're not judging ourselves for having them. We're just paying attention to it. And we're seeing things in a much greater and a much bigger perspective. We're not so contracted and wrapped up in what our own immediate concerns are all the time. We can actually have a little more of a vast, expansive look at these thoughts that we're having and that really they're not as as important and as serious as we think they are sometimes. And that allows us to, you know, not cling so much to all of our expectations about who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be. And we can just respond to things. And I've had people say this to me so many times after they've practiced mindfulness for a period of time that they're amazed at how their their ability to just roll with things, to just things that used to trigger them and set them off and used to cause them, you know, use in a way they turned it in on themselves and caused so much unnecessary suffering that they, you just naturally start to find yourself not doing those things anymore. And I know for me, because I have struggled for so many years and so much of my life in terms of my fears and trepidations and concerns about disappointing other people and not making people happy, and there's nothing harder for me than to see someone, even if, you know, I say someone that I care about, even if it's someone I don't know and have never met, just seeing them unhappy and, and realizing that I'm reacting to that in some way, it's because I've conditioned myself to react that way. And I want to take responsibility for that. And so it's one thing to do the work of healing from those things, but I think it's another there's a whole other part of the process here, and that's where mindfulness and awareness really fill the bill, is that I need some sort of sustainable practice to help me not get caught up in those things, to not believe what I'm thinking about those feelings and those, those heavy emotions that I'm dealing with. And the only way I've found to get through that is to be more mindful and more aware. And the only way I can do that is to practice doing so. And to be willing to not beat myself up when I see myself slipping and sometimes getting caught up in these things mindlessly. 
all I have to do is just reset. I see that I've, I'm do, I've done that. I let go without the need to judge myself harshly or beat myself up emotionally and just keep going. And I think that mindfulness allows me to have that lightness of being so that I can actually do that. 